Got two niggas spoiling movies. Yeah. Brand new columns. That's me. And just in brown for your moving needs. Media popcorn. Woo! You haven't seen it? Well, we're gonna spoil it. Spoil it in your face. That's your warning. Uh. So if you get pissed, it's all your fault. Uh. Hi, little biscuits and sun-dried tomatoes. It is Tatiana here with Tatiana's Take. With me today is your regular host for Medium Popcorn, Brandon Collins. Hey, what's up, y'all? <laughs> Trying something a little bit different, you know, new year, new us, but not really. Um, and today we are going to talk about The Color Purple, mm. um, the 2023 movie that was released and stars. Hold on. Let me bring up the list because it is so extensive. I mean, you got Taraji P. Henson, Daniel Brooks, mm. Coleman Domingo. Sorry. Fantasia. Bar First of all, we're going to go in a certain order. Okay. I don't tell you what to do on your show. Right. Don't tell me what to do on mine. I mean, you kind of do behind the scenes. You tell me what to do with the show. You're you know, like, Brandon, stop talking. Brandon, <laughs> call yourself Brandon. Stop saying you're Eddie. <laughs> Things like that. Okay, so it stars Fantasia Barino, Danielle Brooks, Corey Hawkins, Halle Bailey, her, or H-E-R. I never really know how to pronounce that. Taraji P. Henson, Coleman Domingo, Felicia Pearl Posse, I, I want to say the M is silent, but I can be absolutely wrong. And uh, a couple of surprises here and there, mm. like Sierra. Yes, that was surprising. David Allen Greer has, yep. has a quick cameo. So does John Baptiste, Tamala Mann. Um, Lou Gossick Jr. Yeah, Anjanu Ellis Taylor. I feel like I'm missing someone else. Dion Cole, huh? He plays the stepdad. Um, and the list just goes on and on and on. And I think along with the surprise guest of Sierra, who pops up at the end, surprise is uh, Whoopi Goldberg yep. that makes a cameo. That's which a midwife. I, yeah. yeah, which I think is really touching considering um, her involvement in the first movie in mm. 1985. And because she plays a midwife, I think it's a very interesting role. I know she recently went on, did a couple of interviews where they talked about her potentially being the mom and, and you know, like they did a back and forth. And I think her being the midwife was um, interesting because it's almost like a like a passing of the baton. Mm -hmm. So when Celie is giving birth, Whoopi is the midwife um, and helping her through that transition. And so it's very quick. Um, and but I think it's absolutely necessary, you know, also like Oprah's an executive producer and Steven Spielberg and Quincy and. All the people uh, like in, involved in the first one have some sort of dipping and dabbing and doing uh, behind the scenes in this one. Um, something that I I find on social media that's taking a lot of people by surprise is the fact that it's a musical, mm. and I would I want to say that because I made purposely purposefully made it my business. Not to see too many trailers because, you know, like I've seen the first movie. I haven't read the book. Um, 
but I've seen the first movie and I didn't want to start comparing things mm. just uh, based off of a trailer. I yeah. wanted to go into the screening completely, you know, like clean slate. And but I do know that it was a Broadway musical. And I always assumed that if Oprah was involved in it and Fantasia was leading, mm. that it was a musical. Yeah. So it really took me by surprise that people were as surprised that it was a musical. Mm, okay, I can see that. I mean, the the marketing, no, the marketing was pretty clear that it was a musical, but I guess maybe the way it just like focused on like the fantastical shots and the, and the wardrobe and stuff, you maybe would think like there might be a song or two, but not like all, all out musical, like every few minutes people are breaking out in song and dance and shit. Yeah. I mean, like the very, the the very first like scene is them, you know, like child's play, playing like hand games, mm. and um, they're singing. <laughs> so and and rightfully so, as kids do. And this is Georgia in like the early nineteen hundreds, and so there's not a whole lot for people to do. Um, not to say that they all they do is sing, but it is it is um, understandable how some some of these shots were done and how they had to pivot sometimes into a fantastical piece, just given the, I would say the context of, of the, the song that was going to come up or the scene that was about to come up. So, um, I don't know. I, I'm, we also have to shout out the screenwriter, Gar Marcus Garley, who we got to see a screening where he spoke about his process and adapting this and, how big of a fan he was of the story, how impactful it was on his life and his career, um, as well as shout out to uh, the director, Blizz uh, Boswell, um, who I had the pleasure of interviewing for AFCA, um, talked about his fantastic work on this as well. Yeah, it's really, I, I mean, you know, we're, we're all about like giving y'all the spoilers and stuff like that. So there's nothing that it's, the book has existed since like 1983, I think. They made the movie in 85, it was just super quick turnaround especially given the content of this. This book has been banned several times from several different school sure. districts, yeah. given, you know, the, quote, sexual nature and language, which is odd, but okay. Um, and also the hints of this homosexuality between Suge and uh, Seeley, yeah. which is focused more on in this uh, the adaptation, which is getting a lot of praise as well. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I, I mean, I think it's important to to acknowledge the fact that this um, the book was originally um, written by Alice Walker. She won a Pulitzer Prize for it and a couple of other things. And then Steven Spielberg made it into a movie mid 80s. Um, and, you know, that actually put Oprah like on the map um, more outside of her talk show and like the entertainment business. Yep. Um, so there's that. So the color purple is about, um, an African-American girl named Celie who's being raised in like a super rural part of Georgia. And, um, in the book, she's like writing letters to God that I do know. And mm. that is kind of like each chapter is like a, a, a different letter. Got it. So each of these letters depicts a part of her life. And so what we're, we would call a struggle, right? So she has 
an abusive dad. She's, you know, has pregnancies. I mean, I loosely want to say pregnancies because she's clearly being raped and molested and all of these things. Um, and then eventually is is kind of, I want to say, sold into marriage. You know, it's pretty it's, much. Yeah, it's, there's not a nicer way to put it. And then by she, Dion Cole, who played yeah. her dad, uh, so, he's been doing like these random like shotgun like slightly dramatic roles. It's working for him. Yeah, and so in 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 this new adaptation, it's her her dad is being played by Dion Cole, and um, he is actually molesting her, and and so the two children she has are actually his, or it's alluded to that they're his. Um, and he gives them away to a family that says that they cannot have children. And um, that family happens to be like the the pastor of the church or something like that. And so um, that comes into play a little bit later and throughout the story as well. So she is she's basically sold to Coleman Domingo <laughs> or his character, Mr. And he already has a slew of kids from his marriage and his wife died. And, you know, he's just looking for someone to take care of the kids and the house. And, you know, he's not he's not a very nice man. Um, And Coleman, I think, brings such a, a presence to to this. To this role, because he's not malicious up front like he does have you know certain intent he's not looking for Celie. he's looking for her sister mm-hmm. he's kind of creepy with nettie yeah and the dad is like nah you know like nettie nettie's going places she's got a brain like you could have Celie because she's stupid but she's a workhorse you know and that's really what you want for raising kids and that's pretty much like how like how we're introduced to this whole you know um world for Celie. And in those moments, you feel you under it's weird because you understand where Mr.'s coming from of like, oh, his wife just died. This is a time where like a man was a man, you know, and just went to work and did the things and the woman did all the other stuff. So he, of course, he would be looking for a, a new wife. Um, but he's not very kind to her. Um, yeah, he's beating her and you know he's he's demanding just, that she just slaves over the house and make sure it cleans and raises his kids and stuff it's yeah and then it's you know you you come to find out as the storyline progresses that he's inherited this land that he has it's really like his grandfather you know so he continues the farm work that you know has sort of been in their family for so long so even though they own the land he is still acting very much like like a slave master. They're still like picking all types of cotton and other seasonal vegetables. Mm. Um, and that comes into play with his son, who is like, I'm going to marry this woman and I'm going to build a house on our land. And the dad is none too thrilled about it. Or Coleman Domingo's character, Mr. And it, it's just... I would say this is where I really appreciated the musicality was in this scene where Daniel Brooks comes in. Cause before the music does seem very fantastical, almost like, um, I don't know if you remember the, um, 
oh my gosh, Chicago, when mm-hmm. the movie came out, right? So they Roxy Hart's in jail, and so she basically her imagination yeah. is the musical part, and so she, it like removes, and so that's how the musicality kind of felt for me in the mm. beginning. Like all of a sudden, like the town is like dancing in the streets while she, while they're singing. In this one, when Danielle Brooks comes in, it almost feels a little natural, right? And they're building the house and they're establishing that sort of, she's a very powerful woman. She takes no shit from no man. And it, and you know, you're getting the juxtaposition of the fight between Mr. and, and his son and her and even Fantasia's presence in the background and like how she's admiring um, Daniel. I, I'm like messing. There's so many names. I'm so sorry. Oh, you're talking about Taraji P. Henson's character. No, not Taraji. Danielle sure. Brooks. Sophia. Sophia. Yeah. So. Um, like her tenacity. Yeah, her and tenacity. Like and you see Fantasia in the back just like soaking it all up and kind of like wanting to be as bold. Yeah. As Sophia is. Um, and then we learn about Suge, who, you know, Mr. does not give anyone, <laughs> not not Seely, not the town, and not you as the audience, an opportunity to forget that he and Suge dated, they're absolutely in love, and if it wasn't for, you know, her career taking off, like, they would be together. Mm-hmm. And... I found that dynamic quite interesting because I I don't know if it's like me being a modern woman being like, oh, he would tell himself that. But like she comes back to town and they do have flings. It's not like they don't. But clearly she's not about this life. Like it's not like she came back and scooped him up and was like, hey, come on the road with me. She's very much like, oh, no. You are my small town love and that's all you'll ever be. And whenever I run through. We, you know, mm-hmm. we could have some fun, but you're not my forever dude. Like, you're you're not going to be on the road with me. You're not going to live this life. Suge herself has her own issues. Yes. But I, it's just super interesting how um, Mr. has, like, a very different demeanor when the even the prospect of Suge coming to town or, or being around versus Seely. Yep. In ways where Suge's character is absolutely interesting to to analyze because she's very opposite of Celie. Mm. And so you're just like, wait a minute, Mr.'s not mean to Suge. Why is he so mean to Celie? Mm. Yeah. And I don't I don't know if that's just like a male ego thing. I don't know if he's just honestly, you know, truly miserable staying at home. Um, while he sees this woman live his best life. Um, you know, I, I, I think from the first time I saw The Color Purple, like the movie from the 80s, I always assumed it was just because she was the one that got away and because, like, her dad didn't want them together. Like, it's, you know, the the eighty the movie from the 80s is a little bit, you know, there's no, it's not a musical, so mm. it's more serious. And in this one, you feel a little bad for him. And I, like, beat myself up for feeling bad for Mr. I was like, mm, he's I mean, I think that's Coleman's performance. I yeah. think he's just so likable in some ways that it's it's hard for you to be like, God damn, this guy's a piece of shit. Yeah. You know, it's but it works for white guys all the time. So, you know, it's. Yeah. It's, it is what it is, you know. 
Yeah, I mean, they do they do try to give him, you know, as much of a, like, redemption arc as possible. Um, well, he does it once everything starts falling apart. His land starts uh, getting all fucked up, you know, because they essentially curse him when they finally, everything comes to blows in the towards the third Well, Celie does yeah. when she's, like, so, you know, Celie and Suge, I think Suge just sees, you know, the fact that Celie is... No one's ever told Celie outside of her sister, right? And we haven't even gotten to the nutty part. But, like, you know, that she's a beautiful woman, that she is smart, you know? She's clearly good. She sews everybody's, like, clothes and stuff like that. She's really talented in that space. And, you know, she helps Mr. not just with the house, but, like, even, like, some parts of the business um, at, you know, like, in a lot of ways. And so Suge just sees this sort of like, I would say in the original, in the movie, I don't want to keep saying original, but like in the eighties movie, I always chalk that up as like her feeling pity. And then like in this one, I think they did a really great job of not making it pitiful, but more empowering of her being like, you scared of this guy? Like he, like he's a big teddy bear, you know, like you just need to be ABCD or, you know, um, even just like, okay, even if he's miserable, like don't let his misery take you down. Like you're powerful and you can do, you could do anything you want. You don't need Mr.'s permission. And I, that's why I found, um, Taraji's performance as Shug to be very empowering, not just for, you know, Celie, but in just in general of having that very independent woman lifestyle. And even though she is looking for companionship, like she very much is, you know, I am, I am who I am and I'm not going to hide that from anyone and, and especially her own, the men in her life. So whether that be Mr. or her dad, um, that's a small sort of, you know, side story that comes into play too. And seeing the, the friendship that blossoms uh, between her and Celie that then turns a bit, you know, into romance I don't I don't know that it is as romantical (laughs) as people want uh, as as people want to make it to be um and I know that that's a play on words I meant you know like but it's it's very much like when Celie does sort of like run off with Nettie um I'm sorry, when Celie does run off with Suge, you know, and, like, just winds up living her best life. Yeah, she does. You know, it's it's no longer romantic. Mm. Between, at least it doesn't feel romantic. It feels like them. a sister. Like yeah, a it feels sister, like yeah. a sister. And so that's where I, I would say that the representation is there as far as, like, exploration. And even, you know, solid, like, figuring out, like, what what is it, what do you like, you know? Mm. Like, what's... Yeah. And so recognizing that that people can be in in your life for a reason or a season and um, not all family is, you know, biological family. Right. So uh, the person who plays um, Dion Coleman, who plays Nettie and Celie's dad, eventually passes away. And that's how Celie comes into some money, because apparently her mom had set them up really well. And that's where they find out that that's really their stepdad yeah. and not their bio dad. Yeah. Um, Which is fortunate for her children because that means that hopefully there's not 
too much uh, wrong, you know, there. Yeah, of course. And then, you know, Suge is super supportive of Mm -hmm. being like, yeah, like, you know, what is it you want to do? So Celie opens her her pants shop, which I think is, you know, pants being a good uh, symbol for like a women's movement. Mm -hmm. So I don't know, you know, how... I, I want to say it has to be intentional, right? Oh, yeah, but, like, sure. it is, it, back in these times, like, women did not wear pants. It just, like, wasn't a thing. Yeah. And so pants were designed for men. They were intended for men. And so there's a lot of, you know, statement in that being her shop. being And it's, like, a, a fan, what does she call it? Like, pant, like fancy pants or something like that? I think so, yeah. You know, and it's in, it's intended. She has men's pants there as well, but you know that's not the that's not the primary focus. It's a women's pants shop, and so that is something I find to be super super comical in a lot of ways. <laughs> yeah, I also just want to shout out Daniel Brooks as Sophia because, um, well, her uh, Sophia and Corey Hawkins Harpo's relationship was really interesting because you saw him dealing with the the gender expectations of society and particularly like old school like you know masculine you know thoughts and tendencies except where he's like with a strong-willed woman and he kind of gets shit particularly from his father and his grandfather played by louis gossick jr in like a evil evil role um and you see him dealing with that and like they eventually split up but then get back together especially when Sophia goes through her, you know, uh, tumultuous um, situation with the, the white woman who's, like, the wife of the, the mayor or mayor, something like that. yeah. Um, but I thought that that relationship was really beautiful and also seeing their interviews and knowing that they went to school together and, like, had this long bond as black artists and stuff. Like, I thought that that was a really great relationship. I think Corey Hawkins, fantastic performer. I just wish that he had some kind of vehicle where he could really blow up and be a star. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it is, but... um. Daniel Brooks, I mean, I've been telling you, like, it's between her and da- uh, Divine uh, Joy Rudolph on yeah. holdovers for Best Supporting Actress. There's no other competition in my head. Yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, Danielle Brooks, like, st- like, steals, steals the show away. Like, Taraji's great, but that's the character. The character is very flashy, is very headstrong. Um, Seely is, you know, very, you know, like, the I'm here performance could get her a nom. Like that's yeah, that's the Jennifer Hudson moment. But like uh, Daniel Brooks, she doesn't have a song breakout. It's just her performance. Her performance yeah. from from top to bottom, and even the supporting in the songs that she is in. Mm-hmm. It's it's um, it's she's amazing. Yeah. I'm just so proud of her too. Like she comes so like she broke out in Orange Is the New Black, and then she's just been so many. I mean, same with Taraji. Like they've done, they've done like a good genre hopping as much as they could in their filmography. Like Daniel Brooks has been in. Uh, she was in that Peacemaker show, and then she's doing this, and then she's doing uh, things on Broadway. Like she's she's doing the work, and so I'm so happy that she's finally getting some shine off of this. Yeah, it's. I mean, like I said, like of of all, like of you know, I think everybody brought their a game to this to this project for sure the ward like costume and wardrobe was great 
makeup, I would say, felt a little modern at times, but it's it's hard. It's hard when you have all these like new techniques and better products now, yeah. you know, and, and you want it to look good on film because everything is HD and 4K. But we also know black don't crack. So like they don't need that much work done. Um, I mean, set design too, you really felt like you were like, in a dusty road you felt like you were on a farm you felt like you were in a rickety old wooden house yep on the water yeah you never felt like you were on a set while you're watching this particular movie um and and that's a lot you know that that's that's a lot to be said there's plenty of movies i can think of in in the past year that i'm like oh that's a set that's a set, you know, you're just like, yep. and, it, and it, it does take you out of the moment of, of suspending you sort of like this reality. Right. Yep. Um, and so we are, I think a lot has happened to Halle Bailey personally, that sort of overshadowed this particular performance. One of them is the whole little mermaid debacle, which two different movies, but still like so much has happened for that, that I don't think, um, and it's just an unfortunate thing that I think that that's overshadowing what she's done. Also in this movie, she's not in it a lot and they use her a lot in the promotion, Mm. which I understand because she is a big star, especially for younger folks, but it did feel a little bit misleading. Mm. She's in it. What? Like first we're going to be generous. She's probably in it for seven minutes. Yeah, I was like, I was like, we're going to be generous and say 30, you know, and that's giving it too much. Um, and so, and then the next time you see her, she's an, a grown woman mm. and it just happens to be Sierra. Yeah. <laughs> and so I, you know, we were very surprised because I think that was kept pretty quiet as well. Um, but I understand there is a resemblance there, you know, that, that lends itself to each other and, the the appearance is so quick and again sierra's in the at the end for less than five minutes so may you know it it, the trailer would give you the illusion that that netty storyline is absolutely imperative to this rendition of the color purple and it's a vehicle and a carrier but it's not um and so for those of you who don't know uh, Nettie is um, basically driven sort of like to leave town by Mr. Because she won't give him what he wants. Basically, he wants to fuck and she's not down. And so he kicks her out of the house. And um, and this is after the stepdad tries to like molest her too. She runs off, meets with meets up with the, the priest and his wife. They wind up tra- taking a missionary trip to Africa and they kind of get stuck there. Yep. And 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 but in that in those moments you hear you learn that she's been taking care of the kids which also happen to be her niece and nephew. Yep. So it brings the family ties kind of like full circle intentional or inadvertent, you know, like cuz to Celie she didn't know this was going on cuz Mr. made it his business to keep her in the dark. Um and so that's something that I would say for this movie works out. I don't know. And given there's a ton of content in this movie where I don't know that we could have dug deeper into that into that space. 
Um, I don't know if it would have worked in any other situation, though. Yeah. But Tatiana, you know, we rate movies on uh, scales of bags of popcorn, small, medium, large, XO for the exceptional. If a movie doesn't deserve a bag of popcorn, we throw it to the dog shit pile where we pile piles and piles of dog shit on top of it. So we watched The Color Purple. Particularly, you watched The Color Purple for this Tati's take. What say you? Oh, it's definitely a large. Absolutely a large. I'm having a hard time trying to pinpoint what would have made it an XL. Um... Because it is like leaning into an XL space, but I don't, I don't know the je ne sais quoi, right? The, I don't know what it is, but it is definitely getting a large, I think the, the musical aspect, everybody's the production, the voices, I mean, everybody's just interpretation of their character and the, and the actual delivery was so good. There was nothing that I was absolutely upset with. I think they took care, especially to handle these sensitive topics as well. They didn't throw caution to the wind in, in as far as like things being triggering. I think they, they, you know, the writers and and the director took a lot of care, even in that space too, which they do deserve a lot of credit because these aren't easy topics to deal with. Um, And I would also say too, that it, given the state of this country right now and them trying to rewrite history or, you know, this revision of like what, what is unacceptable behavior. The fact that this, you know, production leaned in on it and was like, we're, we're actually going to go a little bit deeper than the 1980s movie did. Um, I definitely can appreciate that for sure. So it's definitely, you know, a large, a large leaning into Excel for sure. Okay. okay. What about you, Brandon? I give it a large as well. I thought the everything was great. Cinematography, costume design, the performances were fantastic. Um, the, it's just it's just a beautiful movie. It's black excellence, and I'm just so glad that all these uh, these actors and actresses got an opportunity to shine, even in the smallest roles, mm-hmm. which was dope. Um, and you know, I just hope that this you know gets the uh, it's it d- did really well Christmas Day. It had like the second highest grossing Christmas Day I think ever for a film. Um, but I also just want people to go see it for themselves, enjoy it. It's I thought it was fantastic. Um, like you, I'm scratching. I'm trying to figure out why it's not an XL. Um, maybe it was a little bit too long. Like there was some stuff that could have been trimmed at the fat. Um, but yeah, Daniel Brooks and Sophia. I mean, just when she's in that prison, she's crying and you know begging Celia not to leave her and stuff like that's that hit hard and so I think that she's she's got quite a few Oscar moments in this this movie that I think kind of maybe see the deal but then we saw the holdovers recently I, I watched it for the third time and I was like it's gonna be a tight race but both of those actresses I'm so happy for them mm-hmm. like with Daniel Brooks and Divine like holy shit they both have done such great work that I admire like I'm just happy that both of them are getting this attention and I hope it keeps up I swear to God, if award season starts letting these women down, I'm going to fucking lose my mind. Yeah, I think I think that's what's... Yeah, I think maybe maybe that's our hesitation of, like, we don't want to get too excited and when the shoe drops, it's like, oh, more of the same that we normally experience. Um, but I, I absolutely, absolutely agree. I think, you know, in, in the category of must-see movies, especially... 
I mean, if you're a movie aficionado, if you're a musical aficionado, you know, this just happens to do two, two things at once. But I also think too, you know, when it comes to like black excellence, black movies, like for the culture, not everything has to be fucking gang banging. I want to be a rapper. And I think that's, you know, unfortunate because that's what Hollywood has made black movies about, right? Drugs and this and that. And there's still a lot of black trauma in here. Let's not ignore it. But it is, I think, a step forward too for the community, especially one that often doesn't acknowledge, you know, LGBTQIA plus folks. Um, doesn't Doesn't want to talk out loud about, you know, child abuse or molestation or you know sexual abuse things like that just just having that sort of like presented in a way it didn't feel like it was being shoved down your throat but it's conversations that need to be had it's moments that need to be acknowledged so we can grow and move forward and realize like oh and I think that that is something that I find really beautiful about it so, Tatiana, how can people follow you on the social media if they uh, want to share their thoughts on the color purple or just uh, debate you on uh, why you didn't give it an XL? They want to debate? I mean, we can debate. Um, you can follow me on Instagram at Boricua Collins. You can also give us a call. 347-508-0978. And you can follow the show at Medium P Podcast on all social media platforms, including TikTok. So, hope to see you all over there and. Tatiana, thank you so much for another Tati's take. Thank you all for listening. Talk to you all soon. Medium popcorn. We are two niggas spoiling movies. Yeah. Brandon Collins. That's me. And Justin Brown. You haven't seen it, well, we're gonna spoil it. Spoil it in your face. That's your warning. Uh. So if you get.